Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. You ever notice how quickly we forget? Wives, this is not a time to elbow your husband. No, we, we forget fast. Like, like, for instance, any Toronto Maple Leafs fans in the house today? You forgot. You forgot. You are the most cursed, troubled, punished fan base on planet Earth. You had your hopes up. And they have been dashed. You know what's funny? I wrote that statement last week. I knew. I didn't forget. It's the gift that keeps on giving, torturing the King's Church Leafs fans, fan base. Now we forget really quickly, and I've noticed that the older I get, the more prone I am to forgetting things, not just superficial things like what my wife asked me to get at Sobeys, but like really deep, meaningful things. For instance, uh, last month, it was my son's 12th birthday And my wife had me go on our old computer and dig up some old videos and pictures so that she could put together one of those like reels. Is it called a reel? Yep. On Instagram, like the thing, anyway, the video. And I got going through our old, like scrolling back eight, nine, 10 years. And as I looked through these pictures and videos, I'd realized how much I'd forgotten about my kids' lives, seeing my daughter Ava and my son Aiden when they were three and four and two years old and how they interacted and what they would say. I forgot the words they would use and misuse and, and, th- and their imaginations. And I just sat there like fighting tears, reminded of things that I just forgot. Things that were like very meaningful and formative and, and like just, just weighty that over time, And with distance and being removed from that moment, I just, it just forgot. It's incredible to me how what is recent can overshadow what had happened before, even when what had happened before was more important and weighty than what just happened. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just super easy for time and distance to begin to overshadow your memory to the point where you lose value on things that you shouldn't lose value and lose clarity on things that you shouldn't lose clarity on. I've noticed that about myself. I've noticed it in relationships. I, I last year, reconnected with my childhood best friend, and I was amazed within like 10 minutes being reminded like, oh yeah. I've spent more time with you than anybody else on planet Earth with the exception of my family and my wife. There's a reason we've been best friends this long. Anybody ever had a reconnection after years with a friend and you're like, you'd forgotten that connection that you had. How quickly we forget and we lose sight of history. We lose sight of our experiences. We lose sight of things that really mattered. It's incredible how the details can get lost to us. And value and importance can be diminished all simply because time passed. We were, we were removed from the moment. And it's almost as if you forget that that even ever happened or that that's a thing. And what can happen is your, as distance comes in, you can start to lose expectation. 
and you can start to shift your standards. Has anybody, maybe you've seen it in your own life with habits or maybe your health, maybe somebody who's here, maybe you let your health slide and like things that you used to be really committed to and rigorous about over time, just with the gradual slippage of time, you've changed and these things have happened. With time, we can easily lose sight. And I've found this in my own faith. I've found this in my own journey with God and my own experience of the kingdom that over time with distance, you can, you can once have held a conviction and it just becomes looser. You maybe once had a certain set of expectations and all of a sudden your expectations can just shift. Has anybody ever discovered that? Have you followed Jesus long enough to know that with distance and time, what was once like front and center and vivid and vital can become cold and detached and distant? I say all this because I want to talk about uh, the kingdom of God and what it looks like when it breaks out. And today, like really, I have a message that for me this week as I prepared was like a, a stark and refreshing reminder of what to expect when the kingdom of God really breaks in. Because over the last couple of years, I got to be honest, I haven't seen a ton of this. And gradually my expectations and my standards for what I think the kingdom looks like maybe have shifted and have diluted and fallen off and maybe just not quite been as hot as they used to be. And so today I'm hoping that the way that this scripture reminded me is going to set fresh expectation for you as to what it really looks like, according to the scripture, when the kingdom of God breaks in, in real space and in real time. We get a picture today of the kingdom of God breaking in. We have been studying the book of Matthew. I am really enjoying this already. We're in chapter four, and we've been discovering the, through the testimony of this man named Matthew, who was a first century Jewish tax collector that followed Jesus and got a firsthand eyewitness account of, the, of what Jesus came to do, his death and his resurrection. And this is his version of the good news about Jesus. And he's wanting us to see some things about Jesus, namely that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecy and that he is the one that all the heroes of the Old Testament were pointing to. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophets. He's the true king of the line of David. He's the true priest. He's the true Moses. He's the true Joshua. He's the true judge. He's the true Abraham. He's the true Adam. And we are uncovering these themes as this story progresses. And today we come on the heels of this great statement of Jesus's central message that we looked at last week. Last week, we looked at the story where Jesus comes on the scene and he gives his central message, which was repent. The kingdom is near. Yeah, the kingdom is at hand. And so Jesus comes and he basically says, with me, I have brought the kingdom of heaven and it's here. Turn to me and experience the reality of heaven. And what you're going to see this week is what happens on the heels of that statement. We start to see the evidence of the kingdom of heaven breaking through King Jesus in real space and in real time. Now, I'll be quick because I'm on the clock. My son won't have it otherwise. But I have three observations, just, just macro 40,000 foot view reminders of what we should expect when the kingdom of heaven really breaks in. Are you ready? Let's look at the scripture. Let's see, see if we can grab some themes. So 
First, I want to point out, let's go to verse 23, and I want to point out uh, just the obvious. And we find, as Jesus begins to minister, and Matthew gives us this testimony of what it looks like for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to be at hand, it tells us that Jesus goes all through Galilee and that he's invited to teach in their synagogue. So he's on a bit of a preaching tour. Everybody's synagogue invites him in, so you're already getting a picture of crowds gathering around to hear Jesus. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and he's healing diseases. We'll get into that in just a minute. It says news about him spread. It spread all over like wildfire, all through Syria. And people, they came to him. They're coming to Jesus. And it says this down here, verse 25. What was it? Large crowds, large crowds from all over, from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region across the Jordan. So every part of the the world around Jesus, people were flocking to Jesus and following him. It It stuck out to me as I read this this week, this kind of thing that in our experience might not be so obvious, but if you take seriously the words of the scripture and the account of Matthew telling us about what happened when Jesus began to move and the kingdom of heaven started to break in, here is one simple inalienable fact, and that is this. When the kingdom of heaven breaks in, people are drawn to it. Crowds come out. People come to Jesus when heaven breaks in. Here's my, here's my first observation from the text. When heaven breaks in, there is a prevalence of salvation. I don't know what your experience was or is. I don't know what your background is. You might have driven this week past 10 empty churches or closed old church buildings. And you might have some perception about what the kingdom looks like. But according to the scripture, according to God's word, when the kingdom breaks in, the crowds start coming. People start gathering. People start coming around Jesus and finding real life, grace, glory, and redemption. When the kingdom breaks in, people are drawn. There is an irresistible quality to the kingdom of God that cannot be denied. Let me just say that again, because I feel like I'm not just preaching to the people. I feel like the powers, of, the powers of darkness need to hear this over Atlantic Canada. There is an irresistible quality to the kingdom of God that when the kingdom of heaven breaks out and breaks in, people are drawn. They can't deny it. Needs to be stated. Hear this. The kingdom of heaven is attractive. It's attractive. People want heaven. And when the real thing breaks out, all the counterfeit in the world that we get duped into chasing after and serving gets exposed and people leave everything to just come and see and experience the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is attractive. You ever ever think about what gathers a crowd, what draws a crowd? You ever stopped and thought about it? Like why maybe you were at a a concert. You ever, probably didn't. This is probably just something weird that I do. But I look around and I try to think about everyone's stories and like, why are there 10,000 people here in this arena listening to Coldplay or whatever band you're at? You ever stop and think about why they're there? Is it because of the musical notes? 
Or is it because of the longing for something more? The longing for beauty, the longing to be moved, the longing for something different, something other, something holy, something heavenly. I think that's what gathers crowds. Like maybe you're going to go to the Sea Dogs playoff games here in, here in St. John. I don't know if the Mooseheads are, is the Halifax Mooseheads or Moncton? I don't, I don't even follow ping pong, so I don't know. <laughs> I, like, uh, uh, but like the Sea Dogs are in the playoffs, aren't they? They're out! See, I don't follow it. So we got, we got hurting Leafs fans and hurting Sea Dogs fans. We'll pray for healing later. It's my second point deals with healing, but we'll get to that. What was my point? My point is, what gathers people? Is it a frozen piece of rubber flying around on ice? No. It's meaning. It's, it's glory. It's conflict. It's being part of a tribe. There's, there's this deeper longing inside of people. And wherever there's this kind of promise of something greater, something more, people can't help but come out and see. And I want to remind you today that all of these things on earth, these sporting events and music events and even crusades for justice where you see thousands of people flocking the streets, chanting their cause, they are all pictures and shadows of the real thing, and that is the reality of heaven. And all of these things just offer a little drip, a little dose that probably won't fully satisfy. And even if it does satisfy, it doesn't last. And yet when the kingdom of heaven breaks out and breaks in, people are drawn and they find real life, real grace, real glory, real redemption, and it spreads like wildfire. Can I just say that? It spreads like wildfire. People are looking for heaven. And when the kingdom of God breaks in, when the glory of God, when the beauty and the transcendence and transformation and restoration and meaning and peace and significance and excitement and freedom of the kingdom breaks out, people are drawn. They want freedom. They want joy. They want meaning. They want hope. They want mercy. Don't we want those things? When that breaks out, when the kingdom breaks out, people are drawn. I feel like we need a reminder today because we've been spending the last two years in social distancing and isolation, watching online, and we forget this kingdom draws the crowds. Let me just set that as a standard again. This kingdom draws crowds. The masses need Jesus. The masses want Jesus, even if they don't know it yet. Amen? Can I get an amen in the church? This is a, this is a kingdom that is irresistible, and we easily forget, and we get duped into thinking that maybe we need to conjure up some things to help out King Jesus and his gospel. And we'll start to rely on human efforts and ingenuity to try to, to beef up the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus. But can I just remind us today that the good news of Jesus is the most compelling news on planet earth and it doesn't need our help. It doesn't need a gimmick. It doesn't need flashy wrapping. It doesn't need lights. And if these things get in the way, we need to remove them entirely. The good news of Jesus is power to save. It's transformative. This is why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why would I hide it? I want to put it right out there because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. The, the, the kingdom of God is attractive 
You know, we've all at times been duped into not remembering this. And so maybe we'll hide the message of the gospel. Or maybe, maybe we'll try to help the message of the gospel. Like all, all churches and all church leaders have thought about it and done it and tried to augment things and maybe add a little gimmick. But Paul wasn't buying it. I love this scripture from the apostle Paul. Paul said when he came to the Corinthians, he said, like, I, I intentionally wasn't cute with it. Look what he says. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in great weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. When the real thing breaks out, when the real thing breaks out, there, there is no substitute. And all of a sudden, it makes our little gimmicks seem really silly. I saw last week, uh, someone shared online, there was a church somewhere, and I'm not saying this to shame the church, but they, they represented the gospel uh, with like Iron Man. And they had Thanos and like Iron Man gets crucified and stuff. And it was like, I was just like, I was like trying to find a silver lining. Like, yes, okay, they're trying to speak the language of the day and they're trying to like, they're trying to meet people where they're at. I appreciate that. I appreciate the urgency and all of us could learn something from that. But the mistake is thinking that Iron Man is a better story than the gospel itself. The only thing that makes Iron Man a good story is the, is the little shards of truth in there that are telling the grand story that we're all already part of. Do you know every movie you go to and every story you read, the thing that resonates is the, is the kingdom. It's the kingdom note inside of you. The kingdom is attractive. And let me just remind you, heaven attracted you. We forget that, don't we? There was a moment for, for those of us that are part of this kingdom of God, that we belong to the family of Jesus, there was a moment that you were compelled to follow. There was some gravitational force pulling you from the soul that you had, you just, I had to be there. I had to follow him. I had to give my life to him. The kingdom of God is attractive. It draws us to salvation. What, draw, what drew all the people this past weekend here in St. John to go to the Alpha weekend? We've had all kinds of people go through Alpha this year alone. What drew them? Was it, was it the, the red question mark? No, it was something deeper. It was, it was the promise of transcendence, the promise of real hope, the promise of real meaning. What, what, drew, what draws people to CR? It's the promise of hope. It's the promise of restoration that the kingdom can give. Why were people baptized a few weeks ago? Was it because we twisted their arm? No, the, the, the kingdom of heaven and the king of heaven attracted them. Here's a few thoughts on the attractiveness of the kingdom. I think this is an important message for whatever reason we need to be reminded. I just think, I think we over the last couple years have been duped into believing that the kingdom is not as powerful and as punchy and pertinent as we thought it was, as we once, we once believed it was. Here's a few prayers out of this text that I, I've been praying. Number one, God, forgive us for thinking that human fabrications and efforts are any substitute for the real thing. They're not. And when you're sharing your faith with your friends or when you're telling somebody about Jesus, God does not need you to be eloquent. You don't need to be a theologian or an apologist. You just need to be authentic and preach Jesus. Number two, God, remind us that the scripture and the global testimony of the kingdom sets an incredible standard. What do I mean by that? 
Well, we, we might be a little too Westocentric in our understanding of the kingdom of God on the earth. I mean Westocentric. I mean, like we look at the world through Western lenses, but let me just, let me just tell you something right now. The epicenter of the movement of Christianity is no longer in the West, is like in the, in the Western world. The kingdom of God is exploding around the world. Can I just say that so you, you hear it? Like, do not let the devil make you think we're on a losing team here or that the kingdom is losing ground or the gates of hell are prevailing. They are not on planet earth. And the kingdom in the Western world and in Canada and the United States and the UK, it's being refined. I do believe that. And there is some visible decline, but I believe God is pruning his church for a great renewal. But don't be duped into thinking that the church is declining everywhere. Like I heard a, I heard a news podcast this past week and the people were talking on the new on the art about like the abortion debate in America and the reason that it's lost a lot of ground is because that there's no Christians anymore and that churches are closing their doors and that there's you know America doesn't have many Christians anymore and I, I that may or may not be true I don't think it is but even if it was the church is much much bigger than what's going on simply in America this is a global undertaking, a global overthrow of the kingdom of darkness. And it has been taking ground since the day that Jesus dropped the spirit on the church. Period. Christianity is the largest faith group on planet earth. Over 2.5 billion brothers and sisters right now. You might be in a room in Halifax with a hundred people, but you are part of 2.5 billion people. There's no such thing as a small church. That church is huge. The growth of Christianity worldwide, I got this out of a study from the global, the study of global Christianity at Gordon Carmel Theological Seminary. They said this, the growth of Christianity worldwide is outpacing human population growth. Do the math. Where's that, where's that going? It said uh, atheism has peaked worldwide and is now in decline. There are kingdom outbreaks in China, Africa, and South America like, that are absolutely astounding in volume. Astounding. I read an article on a Muslim site that said that over the last decade, there have been more Muslims be converted to Christianity than any other time in human history. That, that was a Muslim site. They were saying, we've got to do something. Thousands of Muslims convert daily. I read one stat that said upwards of 10,000 people around the world every 24 hours are drawn to Jesus and decide to follow him. 10,000. That means that while you slept last night, thousands of people around the world were drawn to Jesus, compelled by the good news, coming to him for mercy and restoration and a hope and a future. 10,000 a day. The kingdom is attractive. Number three, God help us remember that heaven is what everyone is looking for and that everyone needs and wants Jesus, even if they don't know it yet. They're looking for Jesus. People in hell believed a lie. They never connected the dot that Jesus was what they were ultimately looking for. They never connected the dot. We often believe that people need salvation but if you're like me, sometimes you think, oh, they don't want to hear about Jesus. Oh, but they do. They do. Father, stir up our memory 
Stir up our memory, Lord. Some of you, some of you have been in church for 70 years and you have seen the fluctuations and the ebbs and flow of the kingdom. And we might have been in, in, in like the, the tide might have gone out for a season, but guess what? It's coming back in and God might have pruned his church for a season, but he prunes us so that there's new growth. And we have got to set a growth expectation again. I just felt the Lord say that to me. Do not settle for this mundane wilderness season. It has its purpose. We have preached about it. But there is coming a moment where streams of water will flow even in the wasteland and convert it into a garden. It's going to happen. That's what happens when the kingdom breaks out. Number two. Are you still with me? Here's a couple other observations. Here's another obvious one. It is cranking hot in here, y'all. You know, oh, you know what? Um, our, our whole like heat system here at the valley's on the ground, so it's not helping you right now. So we are, uh, well, here, here's, a, here's a shameless celebrate recovery plug. So there we go. All right, second thing. What else, what else is obvious when the kingdom breaks out? Well, it says he was proclaiming the good news, so he's teaching. He's teaching and he's giving revelation to people. And then the obvious thing, you can't miss it. Healing is happening. Every single disease, I didn't mean to cross that out, I meant to underline it. Every disease and sickness among the people as it's spreading, and then it says again, it's, Matthew's just so taken by the, by the healing that's going on. Various diseases, people suffering with severe pain, demon-possessed people are being set free, people having seizures are being delivered, paralyzed people are standing up. It says he healed them. All kinds of people all over the place. I think it's just obvious what my next point is. When the kingdom of heaven breaks in, when it breaks in, there's just an abundance of signs. There's evidence of the kingdom at work. There's people finding answers they couldn't find on earth. They're finding heavenly answers. They're finding transcendent truth. They're finding healing and deliverance. Can I get an amen? Do we believe that's true? It's true. Healing is a thing. Miracles are a thing. A today thing. The work of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are active and at work even today. And this is what happens when the kingdom breaks in. We see the prevalence of truth. People finding answers and solutions and revelation that they could not find on earth. People always marveled at Jesus' teaching. We still marvel at it to this day. Why? Because it's revelation from heaven. These are not earthly answers. We see healing and wholeness breaking in. There, there was no disease that Jesus was not able to heal. We saw lepers cleansed, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, mute voices given speech ability. We see every type of healing and you see every type of deliverance and freedom happening. Our faith, our faith in Jesus, this is a faith that has much space for miraculous expectation. God is not limited the way that we are limited. Let me say it again. God is not limited the way that we are limited. When heaven breaks in, the limitations of the natural world have to take a back seat. 
We believe in miracles. We believe that when the king comes in a room, anything is possible. Where the spirit comes, freedom comes. They are li- people are liberated. Chains are broken. People are delivered. Dead things come to life. Blind eyes are opened. Dark things are blown away with light. This is the reality of the kingdom, full of wonders and signs. Oh, let me preach that in faith for a minute. Like, just let the scripture set your expectation. Because some of you, you're like, I don't see that many. Let the scripture set your expectation today. Where Jesus is, where, where the kingdom is, there are signs and wonders. Jesus said it. He demonstrated it. He even said to his followers, you will see these things. These signs will accompany you, he said. You will cast out demons. You, not just like gunslinging professional Christians, all of us. You will heal the sick. He even said you'll raise the dead. You'll cleanse lepers, which means we'll touch people that are deemed untouchable. I'm going to stay off that rabbit trail about how we've treated each other over the last couple years. But man, let me just remind the church today, we are the ones that will touch the untouchable. Amen? Amen? Remember what Jesus said. Remember, remember history. Remember the book of Acts, where the Spirit falls upon the church with just a little plug here, King's Church. In the month of June, going to spend the whole month preaching and teaching on the Holy Spirit. I don't even totally know what I'm going to say, and my spirit, my soul is bursting with what God's going to do. So I'm really excited about that. But just remember what happened in the book of Acts. Signs and wonders, people just being healed and a miraculous provision and thousands of people coming into the kingdom, baptizing 3,000 people in a day, just inexplicable, marvelous works around the kingdom of God and his king and its king and his people. This is the story of the kingdom. This is, this is why the apostle Paul, he said, look, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's not pontificating and sitting down and who has the best argument. It's a matter of power. The kingdom breaks in and forces its way upon human and natural limitations. Remember the church history. Let's remember our history, y'all. How quickly we forget the mighty works of God right in our own midst. Like some of you have seen God do incredible things. And when you hear a testimony, you're just reminded again, oh yeah, God has done that for me too. You've seen healing. You've seen financial breakthrough, like like Josh was talking about earlier. We've seen relationships restored right here in this, this, this house, our church. We've seen impossible breaks mended. We've seen marriages put back together. We've seen bodies healed. We've seen eyesight restored. We've seen deaf ears open in our church. This isn't something that just happened way back then over there. We've seen the kingdom break in here. You know, Pastor Dan and Anthony and Bradford and I, we we went to Halifax Thursday night to preach there. And uh, we were just talking about like just popcorn. Like what are some amazing miracles we've seen God do? And we, we just kept talking about all the incredible things. Bradford sharing how uh, a bunch of teenage girls came around one of their friends who hadn't had a good sleep in months, suffering from anxiety. And these young girls laying hands on her and praying for peace. 
and it just broke for her. And she slept great. There was, a, there was a legitimate hand of God moment that happened right there. We've seen it. We've seen backs healed. We've seen addictions broken. Like hopelessly bound people set free by the power of God. It wasn't willpower. It was word power. And God spoke over them. And they were set free when nothing else could set them free. We've seen it. This is what happens when the kingdom breaks in. I know, I know we have a huge theology of suffering here. We've talked about it ad nauseum. And we aren't these people that say there should never be suffering and there should never be sickness and there should never be death. No, not until Jesus comes and establishes the fullness of his kingdom. We live in the tension of the now, not yet. But just because we prayed for this situation and we did not get the answer we want doesn't mean miracles don't happen. And we are the people that live taking our cues from what's true in heaven. And so we pray from heaven. We pray from that reality, believing that God can. I was writing my notes this morning and I just, it was like out of body. I just felt my pen go. Someone, I have it right here in my notes. Someone needs to be reminded today. God is able You've been letting the last couple years dictate your expectation and your understanding about what God is able to do. When the kingdom breaks in, there is nothing impossible. There is nothing impossible. When the kingdom breaks in, revelation happens. Answers and eureka moments aplenty. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had just like something click? And it was supernatural. We, we, we saw it this past weekend at the Alpha Weekend. I saw, I saw some testimonies. Multiple testimonies said, I received revelation and understanding. It, I, one person said, it, everything clicked for me. That's what happens when the kingdom breaks in. Healing happens when the kingdom breaks in. Physical healing? Yes, we believe in physical healing. Can I get an amen? Emotional healing? Yes, God can heal the deepest wounds. Anybody? Anybody been so emotionally broken and that over time, just through the hand of God, through the communion of saints, through the truth of the word, you can just show the scar and say there's no pain anymore. Psychological healing, relational healing, financial healing, spiritual healing. Healing happens when the kingdom breaks in. Deliverance happens when the kingdom breaks in. People get set free. People get set free. You might be bound, but I promise you the kingdom, the king has the ability to set you free. Who the son sets free is free indeed. All the way free is what it says. That's what it means. Miracles happen. Here's, here's a quick thing of, of note. With miracles, it's important that we have a good theology of this. Don't miss the point of the signs. Miracles are signs, they are not the destination. Hey? Eh? Yeah, miracles are signs, they are not the destination. They're pointing to someone. No one drives into PEI and they see the sign for Confederation Bridge and they pull over and like, we're here. Right? They don't do that. The sign points to something greater, somewhere else. That's what these miracles are for. They are to point us to the authority of Jesus and the reality of the kingdom of heaven. 
Every time you see a breakthrough like that, it's a reminder. Ah, yes, heaven is real and Jesus is king. That's why we have these signs. They are means, they're not ends. Miracles point us to a person and a presence to help fill us with faith and confidence in his authority and his involvement in our lives. Number two, miracles point us to a place and a promise. They point us to the kingdom of heaven to help us, help fill us with hope and expectation for our ultimate reward in the world to come. One of the reasons God gives us miracles and breakthrough is not just to point us to Jesus' authority, but it's a promise. It's like, yes, there will come a day. You know, like every physical healing I just talked about was a temporary thing. I don't mean to be like Debbie Downer today, but you're going to die. <laughs> it's like, right? Like this is coming. Unless Jesus returns before your time, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. There's no easy way to say that, is there? Like, I tried to be gentle with it, but no. So why would God do a healing? It's to point you to the fact that you are, you are destined for a place where death is no more, where healing does not, isn't even required because there's no ailments. There's no infirmity. It's pointing us to our destiny. Final thought. I'm going to wrap up because I'm sweating. <laughs> so when the kingdom breaks in, Salvation, people are drawn, healing. There's signs and wonders. And then uh, I'll end where we started. I love this story where God or Jesus calls his disciples. He says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. All these things are breaking out. But it says, as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. They were fishermen. And he said to the fishermen, come, Follow me. And it said, he said, I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, I love that. It says like immediately, at once, they left their nets and followed him. And then it happens again, going on from there. Was it just further down the beach? I don't know. He says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And what's it say? And immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. I love this picture because it reminds me of something. When the kingdom breaks out and the king comes around, there is a resonance in people's soul that says, that's who and this is what I was made for. When the kingdom comes in, when heaven breaks in, there's the experience of significance and people find their calling and they find fulfillment. I don't have much time to spend on this, but what, what could make grown men who have businesses, wives, lives, kids, what could make them just leave that business and leave what they've been doing their whole lives? Like, this was not some trivial thing. What could make them just step away from it? I'll tell you what. Supreme significance. Supreme meaning. A fulfillment that no amount of fish could ever bring. And the moment they heard the voice of King Jesus, something resonated in them that said, I was made for him. 
I was, I don't know, I don't know. I have to, I have to do this. They were compelled to follow. Their lives were transformed as they saw him, heard him, and followed him. And here's, here's the point. When heaven breaks in, people experience like true significance and meaning. It says they followed him. And it says at the end of the text, many followed Jesus. And the only thing that makes us immediately follow him is the realization that our soul has found who it is ultimately looking for. Uh, St. Augustine said in his famous quote, some of you know this one. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I love this picture of the fishermen who were doing what they were good at, doing what they loved, but then they, they heard the voice of Jesus and they realized, I have to go follow him. And we know the story of them following Jesus, becoming the 12, part of the 12 disciples. But I think it's really important and it gets lost on us because we have this like understanding of the church and the body of Christ and the gifts that is not biblical. And so what we think is, if you're gonna really follow Jesus, you need to leave your career and you need to become com someone completely different. But I don't actually think that's the point of this text. I love that Jesus met them where they were at and fulfilled them, not in some other thing, but actually fulfilled what they were already good at. Did you catch it? He didn't say, come follow me. I'm going to make you a barista, right? Or I'm going to make you a carpenter. What did he say? He said, I'm going to make you who have dedicated your life into catching things. You're compelled to catch things. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. In other words, I'm going to take what I already put in you and I'm going to fulfill it. As you follow me, it's going to bring you to life. You don't have to change what you're good at. I want you to, I want to fulfill what you're good at. I love that. That's the story. That's like Peter was a fisherman. He became a fisher of men. Paul. Paul was a, a fighter and a thinker who was opposed to the kingdom. And then Jesus got him and he was all of a sudden the most ferocious fighter for the kingdom and the most brilliant man of his day where he gave us like the bulk of the New Testament. That's my story. My, my dad's on camera one. He'd tell you I'm a natural born arguer. <laughs> made for it. Fortunately, I heard Jesus call me and say, hey, son, come argue for me. And I'm alive in it. You know, and even in my like darkest fantasies of the last two years, like, you know what, I'm just gonna quit this and go make money. <laughs> I've had the voice of the Lord say, no, you're not. No, you're not. You were born for this. And I just want to encourage some of you that are listening today, like God made you an incredible mother and homemaker. And he's not calling you to leave that and become someone and something else. Some people he does call it a full-time vocational ministry. But I think what God wants to do is make you a mother, not just to your kids, but to show the, the care and the love and the hospitality of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to fulfill your gifts. Some of you are great craftsmen. God, does, is God calling you to go into full-time ministry? Maybe, but more likely he's calling you to make good stuff. That's wisdom right there. Someone's just got set free. Like 
you can bring the kingdom through your giftedness. Like some of you are incredible at business and you're longing for significance and meaning and you think, well, maybe I need to go into ministry or I gotta, I gotta follow Jesus more intensely. No, follow Jesus more intensely in your lane and watch him bring fulfillment to what he made you already good at. You get to be you for the king. It's incredible. It's the most fulfilling thing. Don't follow your passions. Follow Jesus who will fulfill your passions. What happens when the kingdom breaks in? Salvation, miracles, fulfillment, meaning, rest of the soul. That's what happens. I'll tell you what. I am hungry for a fresh inbreaking of the kingdom. Anybody? You know what, you know what dry places do? They make you long for fresh water, don't they? I am hungry for a fresh inbreaking of the kingdom. I was at a, a pastor's gathering in Ontario a couple weeks ago, and we were having a conversation trying to find solutions on being the church right now and leading the church right now. And it, it came around to me and I just found myself talking and like providing solutions that seemed like stopgap, you know, like how do we get more people engaged in their faith? How do we make disciples? How do we reach people with the gospel? All these things are questions pastors should be asking and we should be laboring in that. But I found myself just grasping at things and I just sort of set my answers down. It's like, actually, you know what? You know what? You know what like Atlantic Canada needs? And you know what Canada needs? And you know what America needs? needs revival. Like, like real revival. Like an unmistakable, inarguable move of God. That no program or preacher or songs or building or, or local church can take credit for. It needs a wave of the kingdom to crash over this land. And we can't make revival. It's something God does. But you know what we can do? We can pray. Amen? Every revival in human history has been preceded by people who pray. Every single one. If you want to see, like, the droves come to King Jesus, we need to pray. If you want to see, like, the values of the West get restored, we need to pray. If you want to see like the next generation come alive in Christ, we need to pray. Amen. If you want to see poverty eradicated in Atlantic Canada, we need to pray. Yes, there's stuff we need to do, but we need to pray. And so prayer week, we're going to pray this week. Uh, it's an initiative. You know, we did love week. We do love week. It's a week where we just like concentrate generosity the next seven days here at King's Church is seven days of concentrated prayer. And I'm asking you and I'm asking myself to take it seriously. It's not hard. You just got to do it. So, so here's how you get involved. Uh, we're going to go, I'm going to get you to go to our website. 
There's a banner right there. You can click on prayer week. And then through here at all of our locations, you can navigate. So we got stuff. If you go to locations here, you can find out what's happening in Charlottetown. You can find out what's happening in Halifax, St. John area, St. Stephen. You can find out even stuff online. So you can do that. We also have ways that you can be equipped in prayer. We have like some video courses you can take to find out how to pray for those of you who are new. Uh, We also have places that you can actually ask for prayer and testimonies. But Go to your location and find out how you can get involved. One of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to like really cover the ground. We're trying to like get feet on the ground and pray in sight so that we can just ask God to bring heaven to earth. That's what we're doing. Amen. When you pray, we're not creating solutions for ourselves. We are opening the way. We're saying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're trying to get around the regions and to put feet on the ground and say, Lord, would you do a new work here in Oak Bay? Lord, would you move into Callis, Maine? Would you ransom people? Would the kingdom break out in a Callis, Maine? We're going to try to just extend ourselves over all the areas that we occupy. The cool thing is some of you online are like in Alberta, you're in BC, Look, we're not the only people praying there, but we're going to pray there this week. So I want you to get involved. I want you to take it seriously and be intentional. Here's a couple tips, some guidelines for prayer week. Go to the website and find out how to get involved. There's all kinds of things happening. There's literally no excuse. And even if you don't go to the website, you know what you guys got to do this week? Here's how you win in prayer week. Here's what you do. Pray. Yep. Pray. And I would add, pray for others. Pray for something. You can pray for yourself, but I really want to serve the region. One, pray intentionally. Make plans. So go to the website. Two, and this is what this, I felt like the Lord just kind of touched me with this. Pray consistently. In other, like plan to pray. I want this week just to be quick to pray. Like even in conversations, any, any of my fellow brothers and sisters ever have a moment where uh, you're, in a, you're in a moment and you have this little voice that goes, you could pray about that. Anybody? Or is it just me? And then what you do is, nah, and you keep going. Don't judge me. You do it too. This week, let's default to pray. Let's just be willing to go there. Like just for one week, just default to pray. Even if it's like weird and you're like, hey, I know we're at the gas station and we both swore and we're filling up our tanks. I know it doesn't seem like I have any right to be praying right now with what just came out of my mouth. But anyway, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you, right? Let's just be quick to pray this week. Would you stand to your feet? We want to see heaven break in. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, here is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our prayer this week. Let's say it again, all of our locations, even online. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we tune our ears to you this week. Lord, we ask Holy Spirit for your help. Lord, we just say, as we consider what it looks like when the kingdom breaks in, God, we are hungry for a fresh move of the Spirit in our nation. 
in our homes, in our lives, Lord. We need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. We want to see the kingdom of God crash over from east to west, from sea to sea, Lord. We want to see you have dominion in this nation. And God, we want to see it now. We want to see a fresh move of God. And so, Lord, we, we know that it's something you have to do, but we're going to position ourselves this week to pray. So, Father, would you help us? Lord, I'm not even going to ask that you put us in position to pray. You're going to do that. Would you give us grace to be quick to pray? Every single person, no matter how long they've been following Jesus, whether they're eloquent or not, Lord, would you help us pray this week? Would we canvas, would we cover Halifax and see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? Would we cover Charlottetown? And we co- would we cover St. Stephen and West St. John and wherever else we are, Lord? Would we set our feet and we would say, would your kingdom come to this place? Would your kingdom come on this playground? Would your kingdom come to this family on earth as it is in heaven? Use us this week, we pray, King Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.